Hello, Trash Crusaders, and welcome to episode 42 of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast, where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your guide through trash cinema, everyone's favorite dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we're taking trash cinema to Japan in honor of our sweet co-host Patrick's trip to the land of the rising sun. We thought it'd be worth help, helping him learn some additional aspects of Japanese culture. Therefore, we're pulling out all the stops by slicing and dicing our way through what some consider to be the bloodiest film of all time. 2008's J-Shock horror masterpiece, Tokyo Gore Police. But before we get to that, let me introduce you to the man of the hour, the globetrotting hottie, and soon to be the most <laughs> educated tourist to ever grace a Japanese karaoke bar, Patrick Schweiger. Oh, hi-yo! Watashi wa Patrick desu. Wow. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm, I That's know a couple phrases. A pretty uh, yeah, it was pretty great. Uh, uh, I like the fact that you've at least learned up some phrases. What, yeah. What phrases did you learn up? Any? Um. So that one is "Good morning, my name is Patrick." Um. There's one uh, like "Sumimasen," I think is like "Excuse me," like if I want to grab someone's attention. Obviously, there's like "Arigato gozaimasu," like "Thank you so much." Mm-hmm. Uh. And like that's kind of it right now, which is really bad. What uh, is the phrase but... for "Direct me to the hentai place"? Oh, I'm learning that now. I, we have like a few YouTube videos saved. Uh. So like, because it's a long fucking fight. It's 14 hours. So uh, <sighs> we're gonna be doing some crash course learning. Because I, I, I want to at least get like the, can you show me the bathroom? Can I get the check? Like those like really basic phrases at the very mm-hmm. least. And also, do you speak English? Because I'm a fool. Uh, something Fair. like that I want to learn. But but yeah, I'm I'm uh, less than a week from today as of recording. Friday as of release of the episode, I'm on the plane to Tokyo. Uh, so it came and had the wonderful idea of doing this uh, movie before I go. And I, I tell you what, I sure hope Tokyo is not like this. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. This old movie is just trying to teach you a little bit yeah. about what your trip could be like. And I think this sure is a great not rep- like this. I think this is a great representation of Japan as a whole. Um, <laughs> at least as far as I know from Japan. Uh, because the only things I really know about the culture are involved in history videos I watch on YouTube, anime, and uh Jay shock horror so I, I mean it's a mixed bag of what i think actually happens there but you know what why don't we jump into the actual episode but before we do that let's do a little quick housekeeping we'd love it if you rate and review the podcast on your podcast app of choice don't forget you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at save trash cinema gmail.com or you can dm us on all socials at save trash cinema make sure to check out last week's episode when we stood toe-to-toe with a bloodthirsty mall security system and a couple of hockey romance novels when we covered the 1986 trash classic shopping mall we'll be continuing to release minisodes crossover episodes interviews and even game shows so keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline with that housekeeping out of the way though why don't we jump into an overview of the film
Tokyo Gore Police is a 2008 J-Shock horror film written by Kingo Kaji and Maki Muzi alongside director Yoshihiro Nishimura, who also assisted with the screenplay. Kingo Kaji is best known for writing Iron Man, Rise of the Technoverse. Uh, it's an anime film um, for Marvel. I don't know if anyone's ever seen it, but... <laughs> Honestly, I, it's pretty pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I love the idea that he that uh Kingo Kaji just wrote Iron Man 2008 starring Robert Downey Jr. That would be also pretty cool. Um yeah. he's also known for one of my personal favorites, uh well-known J-Shock action film called Samurai Princess. Uh just a little spoiler alert, the Samurai Princess, her boobs are also grenades. Oh wow. So I hope they don't can- explode. They do. Well, not on okay. her, but she kills a lot of people with them. So you Oh, can... she can like remove them? Yes. She cool. pulls them off and then throws them as grenades. It's Do they respawn? Awesome. Like do they regrow? Yeah. yeah. Cool. She keeps growing new grenade boobs. It's yeah. look. Highly recommend. Sure. Maki Mizui uh might be more well known as an actress special effects artist, uh known for working on or starring in J-Shock films such as Mutant Girl Squad. Hell Driver, and the supremely offensive Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. It sounds amazing. I have a question. Mm -hmm. J-Shock, is that like a subgenre of like Japanese movies that intends to like shock and awe you with what they're doing? Or like, can you explain what J-Shock means? Yeah, actually. So J-Shock is a subgenre of Japanese horror that relies on shocking slash grotesque visual effects, as well as copious amounts of unrealistic blood, which adds both a surreal and comedic element in context to the film. Uh, normally, it's very, very, very over the top. It's gotcha. typically horror, but there are action films that do rely on it. Uh, essentially, you know you're getting into J-Shock horror uh, because when body parts are removed, which normally happens, it looks like a fire hose Correct. has blasted out of whatever body part is no longer there to hilarious effect. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Now, finally, we have Yoshihiro Nishimura. Nishimura is known as one of the forerunners of the J-Shock horror subgenre with directing credits on my personal all-time favorite, Meatball Machine. Uh, he's also the brain behind Hell Driver, Mutant Girl Squad, and segments in the anthology films The ABCs of Death, as well as the finally-to-be-released extreme horror film The Profane Exhibit. Uh, that's coming from our friends over at Unearth Films. They oh, cool. keep saying that it's going to be coming soon. It's currently in a festival run, so that makes me feel like we're actually going to get that movie finally. And I'm very, very excited to get my hands on a copy because from what I've heard, it's pretty fucked up. And <laughs> I'm know, sure it is. I kind of like pretty fucked up. So the sure story is. goes as such for Tokyo Gore Police. Set in a future world vision of Tokyo where the police have been privatized and bitter self-mutilation is so casual that advertising is often specially geared toward the cutter demographic. This is the story of samurai sword-wielding Ruka and her mission to avenge her father's assassination. Ruka is a cop from a squad whose mission is to destroy homicidal mutant humans known as engineers, possessing the ability to transform any injury uh, to a weapon in and of itself. The film stars Ihai Shina from Takashi Miike's audition, Beat Takeshi's The Outrage, that's a callback to Johnny Mnemonic, and Meatball Machine Koduko. Uh, It also stars Itsuji Itao, uh, from Negative Happy Chainsaw Edge, Big Man Japan, which is a cult classic, and 
Tabanis and Geechee, Snot Rocket, and Super Detective. <laughs> uh, it also stars Yukihide Bini from a great film, another J-Shot classic, Robo Geisha, uh, Shyness Machine Girl, as well as Gothic and Lolita Psycho. How about that? Also, a great job on all those Japanese names. Hey, I, I mean, it, look, there's a good chance that I butchered at least one of them. So they sound good. Try- Thanks, man. I'm trying. I'm trying really hard because I've done such a terrible job ruining everything else. <laughs> now, the film runs for an hour and 49 minutes and sports a Rotten Tomatoes score of 82. So choke on that. Dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> choke on that. Dickheads. Too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you can currently stream the film from Voodoo or on Tubi for free, or you can get a physical copy to add to your collection for around $20 on Amazon right now. Now, before we jump into our initial thoughts, I do want to take a moment, as you probably heard in the uh, the story review, um, I do want to give a quick trigger warning that this movie and this episode will include um mentions of suicide as well as cutting um if that is something that upsets you then you might want to avoid listening to this episode um it does play a big role in certain aspects and certain scenes so we just want to be upfront and honest with you in regards to that outside of that um a lot of this is played for comedic effect with the other aspects of the film um so be aware going into the rest of this episode now, with the overview out of the way, why don't we take some time to discuss some initial thoughts? Patrick, you are heading off to Japan. Mm-hmm. You are getting prepared. You know at least eight words. Yes. And I'm proud of that because Thank I you. probably don't even know more than two. Mm. So I was like, hey, it's going to be a great idea. Let's yeah. bring this movie to you, Patrick. Let me show you Japan through the lens of a weirdo. Yes. And I feel like I succeeded in this. However, I want to know your initial thoughts going into, because let's be honest, you are typically someone who the last thing that you appreciate in movies is the gore. Um, yes. And the movie literally has the word gore in the title. Patrick, yes. tell me thought before we started. So it's interesting. Yeah, I, I've been pretty vocal on this show. Like I don't love uh, extended or like unnecessary gore. However, there is an asterisk to that. And it's like a movie like this, or like, I also think of repo, the genetic rock opera or is, is it rock opera or just genetic opera, whatever. Just genetic opera. Yeah. Those kinds of movies where like part of the bit is how gory it is. That doesn't bother me. It's, gotcha. it's, it's like, cause also you can kind of, or at least I expected going into this, it's going to be very over the top, very cartoony. Mm-hmm not like super, super realistic. It's, it's like, it's the movies where like, and it doesn't like bother me per se. It's just like, I don't need this. Like I, I don't, it doesn't enhance the film for me usually when uh, it just like feels like they're adding it just for the sake of adding it as opposed sure. to like it being a, like a fun thing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's kind of a fine line, right? Like I um, it's sometimes it's hard to like delineate like which one's going to fall in a category that I like and that I don't. It's kind of like, I just have to watch it to figure it out. Sure. Um, but so that being said, I was like knowing full well what I was getting into. I'm sure this is going to be like blade fucking blood coming out of the uh, top of the the um what was room that song sprinklers techno rush or something something like, like that yeah. like i'm yeah. sure this is going to be there's going to be times where the entire screen is red and just shooting blood everywhere and that's exactly what i got um so here's here's my other thing you had mentioned 
Um, I don't want to necessarily, you know, spoil your story if you were going to tell this, but you mentioned that you used to have this on in the background of parties. So yeah. I, I, that's all I'll say for now. I'll let you uh, tell the full story. But also like hearing that and the title, I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be a fucking absurd movie. So that's kind of what I expected going in. And I can go ahead and spoil and say that's exactly what this is. Uh, but I won't say whether I liked it or not. Uh, we're going to have to watch the whole movie or talk about the whole movie to learn that. All right. Yeah. So as Patrick mentioned, so Tokyo Gore Police is one of those movies that we would put on when I was in college. We'd put this on in the background of like house parties, uh, mainly because at any given point you can sit down and it's almost like it's a different movie. Like you it's so <laughs> and it's not like it's super disjointed. I don't think it's just that like every big scene that takes place and there's it feels like the movie has like 25 different acts. It's just oh, like it's a different yeah. movie. You don't have to sit down and watch this from start to finish and understand it. The truth is, if you watch this movie from start to finish, you probably still won't understand it. Um, it is a twisty loop of narrative choices, um, just completely dressed in some of the most asinine visual, practical special effects. It is hilarious, and it's one of those. It just was great that we just we just toss it on the background. People will walk by and be like, what the fuck are we watching? They'd sit Easy down conversation start. Yeah. yeah. They sit down for 10 minutes, get up, walk away. They come back 45 minutes later. Guess what? The movie's still playing. This is long. Yeah. It um, and so it's just like a completely different movie, but it's still insane. And so we used to watch this all the time, had a great time doing it. And so I was really excited because honestly, I was like, I always try to pick movies that I think are going to like resonate with whoever our host is. Patrick ends up getting a lot of shit for that because I don't really necessarily ever cater movies to Patrick. He just has to <laughs> absorb whatever I throw him. But I try yeah. to line them up so that like whoever our guest host for this episode would enjoy the movie like to whatever degree. Yeah. And um, this time around, I was just like, well, this is a perfect opportunity to do an episode. I don't think we'd ever be able to really fit in just normally. So sure. like, let's just do it. And here we are watching tokyo gore police and with that yeah. being said why don't we get onto the show tokyo gore police everyone and now our feature presentation a little girl monologues about her police officer dad he's kind he's strong he always gets the bad guys he's always helping people everyone loves him and his head was just blown up watching this movie so we were texting about this on friday and i was like hey are we still doing there's another movie i forget the title of it that we were gonna do instead and you're like what if we do a japanese movie I'm like great tell me what movie because i want to kind of start watching it now and you tell me this movie and I start watching it and I forget exactly what you said, but you were like, heads up. This is maybe the most gory thing you'll ever watch. I'm like, oh yeah, I just saw a guy's head pop within 45 seconds. I I'm in <laughs> like, I, I get what you're putting down. Uh, it was just really funny timing. We cut to a woman in a police car outside of an under construction skyscraper. The police are pushing forward and an operator comes on the radio. His name is Kochi Tanaka, age 29. Previous convictions are robbery and assault. He's kidnapped a woman and barricaded himself into the building. He's considered extremely dangerous. This will not be tolerated when the special squad is on the job. <laughs> okay, so like I, we really feel like it's necessary here to like set the, the tone. Is that this movie is interlaced and intercut with like random jump-ins from like this police operator so it's just like this girl in like 
like j-pop like outfit that's like a police officer's outfit but it's been like dolled up to be like half futuristic half like pop idol sensation and she'll jump in with this like really bubbly voice and she'll be like ruga get to the thing now and Mm -hmm. it's like just it's pitch perfect because it's like i feel like it's so opposite to what we're about to see because it's like it goes from like this one where it's like you could this looks like a fucking power rangers episode yeah, uh-huh. just being like the most r-rated shit you will see on screen like ever yeah it's the something that i really liked about this movie and this is like one of the first instances of it is how like thematically it it's like a roulette wheel like it just it constantly is like taking these hard left turns in like vibe and structure that like at times it's really difficult to follow, but like that, it kind of makes it fun because they like triple quadruple down on it, oh, on, yeah. on it being like the style of this movie is like whatever fucking happens, happens. And it's so, yeah, that this was the first example of that. We get some interlaced shots of our female police officer and the deranged man. He's rummaging through the corpse for chunks of meat and she's using a box cutter on her arm. While she cuts, he uses a chainsaw to dance around. And honestly, I couldn't explain this better if I tried. It's a scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. The special squad attacks. They shoot about 5,000 bullets into the deranged lunatic. In the process, he loses an arm. And then he grows it back. But this time, it's not just an arm. It's a retractable chainsaw arm. Sure. 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 Why not? The the operator gets back on the comms and tells Ruka, our protagonist, we find out her name, that this deranged chainsaw arm fool is an engineer, to which I know engineers, and they are pretty much spinning images of what this guy looks like, which is pretty much just an unbathed person. Uh, is this an insult? No. That's the motherfucking truth, brother. Come on, brother. Take a shower. Either way, Ruka uses a bazooka to launch herself to the top of the structure and takes on the engineer face-to-face. After some bloodletting of the police cha- squad, a chainsaw fight breaks out between the two. Feeling a little Linnea quickly right now, Ruka then uses the chainsaw to uh, dice up the man into mm-hmm. nothing, um i think the best way to explain this is that she essentially chainsaws him up into a bloody ice sculpture if you will yes yes Uh, she then cuts him in half with her samurai sword title screen tokyo core police so we're i don't know would you say like six seven minutes into the movie at this point there's probably already more blood in this than every movie we've ever covered in this podcast combined in seven minutes like it was i was like oh wow this really is like i i wasn't even prepared even though i felt like i was prepared for how much gore is in this movie also shout out to ruka you know if any of you guys are out there right now playing zelda tears of the kingdom using the bazooka to launch yourself up very zelda tears of the Kingdom. it's it's great it reminds me of uh a little bit of like uh uh grindhouse's planet terror like the the idea of like using stuff like that. So yeah, so she she pulls a bazooka out from like behind herself, which is cool. Like always have a yeah. on hand. She like slams to the ground and then rocket launches herself like fifty stories up. It's Amazing, fucking dope. And then yeah. the whole the whole chainsawing like ice sculpture moment. It's just her with two chainsaws and it goes like slow dramatic, and she's like 
doing these chainsaw moves and it just it's you just see like a lump and then every like i don't know every 12 inches on this guy's body it's just fountains of like just mm-hmm. sprinkler going off of just blood everywhere fucking hilariously cool i would love to to see some behind the scenes and like how they got some of these because obviously most of this is practical like you can oh, tell yeah. it's practical with the way they're doing it and i'm like man how the fuck did you do this um so it's at this point in the movie that we get the first of several commercial breaks, which I, this is like, I'm watching this movie and like, I, so there's this thing I do in this podcast sometimes for movies that are especially hard to follow from time to time. I like, I'll have the Wikipedia up and just like kind of going through the plot as the movie's going, just to make sure I'm not missing anything major, make sure I'm, I'm following along. Mm-hmm. And I'm already like, I, I couldn't even follow the Wikipedia plot of what's happening, but I was here for it because the random commercial break, uh, Japan's new police force is now a corporation and is a privatized situation with no tolerance for crime. Some crazy scientist tells Ruka good work and then cuts into the engineer. He fished out a fleshy looking key that's been cut in half. She then info dumps about engineers. Criminals have these tumor key things that let them transform their bodies into grotesque killing machines. They don't know where they came from and you have to destroy the tumor to kill them. She's also what's called an engineer hunter, which feels like something girls who prowl Georgia tech for future sugar daddies are called, which I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, you know, Sometimes we have to point out hard truths here and yeah. we've said, us, this is a, a discovery podcast. This is a, you know, we find the hard truths. Edutainment. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, it's so for anyone who's not in, in Atlanta, um, Atlanta where Patrick and I are both based um, Georgia tech, which is a, a very large engineering school in the Southeast. Um, most people probably know what Georgia tech is a huge college uh, is actually located like, five minutes from actually where Patrick used to live and where my office currently is. And so uh, we have to deal with these engineers clogging up the streets all the time. It's mm. fucking loose everywhere, everywhere. Ruka goes to a bar and has some OJ because she's on duty. You know, the classic thing you do, go get some orange juice. Uh, we get a flashback and see that her and the barkeep are pretty cool and have a history together. Unfortunately, an emergency call interrupts their moments together as Ruka is needed back at the station. Something bad is going down at the station. We know this because there is a flickering red light outside that just keeps, well, flickering. And Ruka goes in to investigate. The building seems empty, which is also kind of spooky. A spooky horned samurai walks out with a quadriplegic gimp with him. It is, and and this might sound offensive because i use the word quadriplegic and gimp together in the same sentence so i need to specify so you guys don't get upset this is a quadriplegic they are they have no arms or well they're they have no limbs past the joints so knees and elbows uh, but they are completely dressed in an snm gimp outfit full Mm -hmm. latex leather shit Mm. going down mask the whole nine right ruka arms herself for a battle when it's revealed that it's actually just the police captain and it's Ruka's birthday. I mean, can we just take a moment to identify or to address rather that we're in this future Tokyo mm-hmm. where tumor key things make it to where you can grow a chainsaw out of your arm. And they think it's a good idea to throw a surprise birthday party by having someone that looks like this, like being her. They're in like a parking garage or something. It so looks what, like, that, yeah. like what? Are, 
you're asking for it, dog. Like you're asking to get killed in this yeah. city. It's true. Now everyone comes out and they reward Ruka with a merit badge for his successes. Then the creepy scientist brings her a birthday cake. See, even in Tokyo Gore Police, they can be wholesome. The police chief is also, as we find out, a surrogate father to Ruka, which is quite nice. We get another flashback, which reveals that Ruka's mother was also suicidal, which leads immediately to a scene in a brothel because tonal issues mean nothing here. <laughs> Correct. Some uh, some trivia. Yoshihiro Nishimura came up with the idea of the brothel when he visited a go-go bar in Thailand. You know, he's he's putting his experiences right into the movie. You know, he's like, oh, I'm, you know, I went to this go-go bar in Thailand and I'm like, let's make a movie like this. And honestly, I'm like, brother, you have lied. You did not go to a go-go bar in Thailand. No. You went to no. a donkey show in Thailand. You went to a <laughs> ping pong show in Thailand. You you saw a girl smoke a cigarette out of her hoo-ha. Okay, yeah. brother, be honest with us here. Yeah, the the crazy thing about this movie is I I, I think about like what is what does a writer's room look like for Tokyo Gore Police? And I think the writer's room looks like step one, every idea we have is in this movie. Yes, there isn't a single idea that is being left on the table. Uh, because it shows uh, the prostitute runs off from the room she was in and we see a creepy dude lurking around. He's got a glass jar with a key tumor outside the house. Mother tells a client he can have access with a girl in 30 minutes. She hits, uh, she hits up a public restroom to drop a big stinky shit. And the creepy dude from before attacks her. She pleads for her life, but he insoles her, um, consoles her with some pipes and drains her of her blood naturally. Okay. So, Patrick, here's the thing with this. Uh, I want to kind of step back to your whole writer's room thing. And I think this scene in particular is a really great example of that, where I do feel like they just were like, they just wrote a shit ton of ideas on a on a white marker board. And we're like, these are in the movie. But I think the big thing here is one of the writers um, who is an actual special effects artist was part of the team. So part of me thinks that like, a lot of these ideas were a lot of this. And there was probably some on the cutting room floor where she was like, we can't do this with practical effects. Like there is no way for us to accomplish this via practical effects. Like, so there's ideas that have to be left there. And I do like the idea of having someone who's like, this is realistic. We can't accomplish this. Sure. On screen. Yeah. Is, is part of the team that's writing it because like, I feel like, there are probably some ideas that are thrown out in situations like this that are just not going to look good because you can't do them the right way. And But you're going to have teams that are like, we're going to do this anyway, and then you have to get CGI, and then you run into the Disney issue where you have teams that are getting overworked and underpaid um, to make you know stuff that's not great. Instead, yeah. you, you get shit like this, which is acidite. I would, you know, what would have been awesome? I just like if we had gotten to have a quick conversation with Kieran Reed about this, like mm. it, it, with his special effects background, like hearing him talk about. Like, obviously, he didn't work on this movie, but like knowing how much he knows uh, of this part of the industry, like what if there's like any kind of insights he would have had? Because yeah, I bet this was a special effects guru's dream doing this. Has movie. to be. Yeah, has to be. Uh, we get another one of the famed commercial breaks that I'm obsessed with, and actually, I'll, I'll admit. Uh, this was the first one I noticed. Like I didn't notice the first one. I must've been looking down at my notes and it, I, it must've been pretty quick. And I'm just like, so I'm watching this movie. I'm like, what the fuck? Why was there just randomly a commercial break here? And it's a promotional ad for stop the Harakiri political movement. It's like a bunch of these guys just like killing themselves with <laughs> samurai swords. And it's like, stop. I'm like, what? I love this. I love it. Cause they play this out like 
a like it's a depression medication commercial and it's like a businessman in japan and the boss is like you've done a terrible job you need to honor us correctly take your own life and then it cuts to like another like the guy again it's like the business guy but this time he's like shirtless and he looks like a ghost he's like don't do it don't do it no and then the dude like cuts and pulls all of his intestines out on screen and you're like then he like pops up is like stop the harikiri truly insane by the stop the harikiri political campaign yeah (laughs) insane uh ruka gets a call to investigate the attack at the subway bathroom Apparently, prostitutes are being chopped up, shoved in boxes, and drained of their blood, naturally. This killer, unlike the other engineers, is smart and takes their time with their victims, whereas other engineers are ruthless berserkers. Ruka dresses up as a street worker to go undercover to catch the killer. Commercial break, again, very quickly. Uh, this one is about wrist cutting. This was It's called The Wrist Cutter. Cute and playful box cutters designed for every schoolgirl's cutting needs. I was like, this was like the first, the, the Harkiri one was like, this one's really weird. This one was like whiplash. It's yeah. this like really weirdly like hyper positive. Like when you when you think of like a stereotypical uh, like schoolgirl Japan, like really like kawaii like type vibe. But they're just talking about cutting themselves and how the these blades like make your blood tasty and like they don't hurt as much. I'm like, what the fuck is this movie? So, okay, so I think it's worth at least partly addressing, and I don't feel like I'm going to do a good job so, of of like doing this situation justice. So I would recommend um, looking up and just seeing this. So suicide is one of those things in Japan that's like it's I don't know it's it's talked. There's about a higher rate. Bit. There's yeah. a, there's a very much higher rate of suicide in Japan and among schoolgirls that is one of the things is cutting is one of the big things with schoolgirls and they've kind of leaned into this joke to be like we it almost feels like they're trying to say like uh, because of the way that Japan is like we kind of just lean into like well if you're going to do it why don't you do it cutes and kiwi way you know yeah, yeah and it's it's jarring but like I can totally see like the the thought process behind including this sure kind of, you know yeah as like, like a like a uh like a satirical kind of like yeah take on like a, a big issue in yeah in like Japanese it, culture. It, and then i think you know suicide's always obviously very taboo and so like i definitely think like it's one of those where it's just like the it's like when when we don't make jokes but when we make our references about 9-11 it's sure. one of those things where it's like sometimes you just have to lean into the dark side to address yeah the fact that some things just suck quick little side note and i'll make this brief uh, we recently watched a documentary show on uh netflix i forget what it's called um but it's it's like dark tourism i think actually. oh yeah, yeah yeah and there's a an episode about japan they go to like uh, near fukushima where the uh, nuclear waste meltdown was but then there's there's uh, a whole chunk of it about there's this forest in japan the which suicide is like forest yeah, the suicide yeah. forest which is like the number one place in japan that people go and kill themselves and uh just like here like learning about the like the history behind this forest and like the spirits that are there uh and things like that as a, if that interests you from like an actual educational standpoint you should check that out on netflix because it's a really uh fascinating thing to learn about do you um, yeah do you remember when one it was i can't remember which one of the paul brothers it was one of those douchebags uh one of their first controversies and i say for one of their first because there's right. just like a plethora of them 
Uh, one of those douchebags went to the suicide force and actually like videotaped himself with like a dead body, like hang- like he found a dead body. Oh my god, and, like, I like, missed videotaped this. Videotaped himself like with it and then like, blur the body out, but it's like him and his buddies like laughing and joking and shit. And they're all like, "You what? That's like, oh yeah, it was like a really big deal at the time." But now, don't worry. Now he's a boxer and he's a oh my podcast. God. So I completely missed that. Yeah, good on him. You know, he's really changed. He's got a podcast now, Patrick. Oh, and and one of them is doing WWE. Oh boy. Yeah. Let's just forget about the past. Ruka sees some creepy punk eating bugs on the subway, which is still not the worst thing I've ever seen on Marta. <laughs> she then gets felt up by a dude, so she snatches his ass up, drags him off, and then beats him with her umbrella, then opens her umbrella up, revealing that it's actually a katana, and then slices off his hands. And then, then... <laughs> uh, I get my favorite line of the movie where she just deadpans to the camera. The act of molestation is clearly a crime. Yes, it is, Queen. Yes. I, yeah. yeah. It, also, I, love, I love this was a great moment. The guy sticks his hands up in the air and it literally just it's and I can't I don't even think I could properly say this. You when you're like you're playing a video game and like you hit a fire hydrant and then mm-hmm. it's just like shoot straight up in the air. That's yeah. what it is. Except it's real practical effects of this dude's hands just shooting up hundreds of gallons of fake yeah. blood into the air. You know what's funny is I watched this scene specifically, and I have, and it's funny that you mentioned video games because I I feel like all the parents out there that are like video games are the problem with kids in America. I feel like they think video games are like this movie. Like I feel like they think that Call of Duty is Tokyo Gore Police. And uh, that's how violent video games are when like some of them are violent, but like they're never this violent. It just, I I got that moment of like, man, this is wild. I think the only thing I could think of video game wise that's close to this would be potentially like No More Heroes, which is also a Japanese game. So yeah, but like, or I mean, maybe the Doom, but, but that's still like a more of like a realism type thing uh, and it's like demons so it's like not like yeah i don't know see i prefer this type of violence like it's just like comical me too and it's oh, like played too. for laughs she has another flashback of her father he's being held at gunpoint by a man in a mask who blows his brains out across from her on the subway is the creepy man from before he has a key shaped scar all over his face he grins at her then walks away she follows after him but only finds another box full of hooker parts and bottles of blood. She soon finds herself in a back alley confronted by the creepy engineer. Something said quite often around Midtown Atlanta. (laughs) Fuck you, Georgia Tech. They fight to a stalemate, so the engineer rips off the top of his head, leaving nothing but a brain and gun barrels for eyes. He starts shooting out meat bullets, wearing Ruka down. He's finally able to pin her to the wall. With the bullets. With the with his meat bullets. Yeah. He pulls her sleeve back and then pulls a key tumor out of his brain. He rubs it against her arm, which opens up a fleshy keyhole. Her arm then splits open, and he slams another fleshy object into her arm. No, not his penis, but it looks pretty close to that. It's at this moment of the movie where I'm like, man, the minds behind this movie are, there's just a lot going on there. 
to to think up this scene and shoving a fleshy object into the arm of this woman it's like what is going on here uh we get another commercial break though the japanese sort of kuga nothing cuts better nothing cuts a sharp you can eat it and it will cut through your head yes Clean I love the scene. I love the scene at the end of this commercial break where it's like because it pans out. It's like a, it's like on the TV of like a hospital room, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's just this samurai with the kuga sword, and he's just like deep throating the sword repeatedly. Yes. It's fucking funny to me. Insane. Uh, Ruka wakes up in a hospital bed with the police chief at her side. He tells her that when she recovers, she needs to stop by the autopsy room. She does, and they explain that there isn't a key in the remains. The police chief says they have to kill them all, and Ruka gets a little nervous considering her last encounter. Mm-hmm. The police figure out who the creepy engineer is, and apparently he killed himself. And his parents are dead also. Ruka notices he went to college at Georgia Tech. Sorry, KGE Laboratories. Ruka gets the address and heads off to investigate. At the same time, the police chief finds out that Ruka's daddy's killer is the same engineer they are after. Plot twist. Here's the thing. They're like, they're like, he killed himself. He committed suicide at the age of 24. I'm here to tell you, this actor, not 24. Not This actor is like in his mid-40s. At least. Funny as shit. Either yeah. that or which I don't think is true. Like Asians just age incredibly poorly, which is not true. Sure. Not true at all. Sure. So uh, we get another commercial break. My <laughs> personal favorite of all. The commercial yeah. breaks. Uh, if the safety of your family is at stake, you have to take matters into your own hands. Introducing remote control execution, punish convicts and take the law into your own hands. So we get this shot of this family in their living room with a Wiimote. Yes. With like a blade attached to the Wiimote. Sam or a katana blade attached to a it's, Wiimote. It's essentially like an, an, uh, a Wii Sports Nintendo commercial. But when instead of showing them playing tennis on the screen, it shows a person like strung up getting like, cut into pieces. And they're just like laughing and giggling. They're having so much fun, like passing the controller to each other. Uh, and... <laughs> this, this fucking movie i had to i actually had to look because i had to look this up i was like it's like when did i like when did this movie come out because that is 100 percent a wiimote like i stopped the movie 100 like, this is and it's not just a wiimote but it's a wiimote that has like the gel wrap do you remember that it, one yes the so it's like the wii condom control yeah the wii condom yeah it's got a Wii condom attached to it. You can very much tell that they just wedged in a katana blade onto a, it is a Wii mode. Yes. And like, sure enough, the, undoubtedly. It, sure enough, the, the Wii came out a couple years before this movie released. So you know for a fact that like this was this and was like a it, it really like w- with that in mind, like if you put this commercial next to like a Nintendo Wii Sports commercial, like it it's the same. Like it, it they're very much doing like a, a, a little uh nod to Nintendo commercials. And I'm sure uh the people uh, in Nintendo Japan were not happy. You know, this, was, this was definitely a cut skit from Saturday Night Live. Yes. They were like, We just can't do it. Like, you know what? You can't do it because you're cowards. Correct. That's what I say. At the abandoned laboratory slash college, Ruka finds out that they were the ones responsible for creating the engineers. She sees that there's a prostitute who the lab experimented on who is working in town, so she goes to find them. Commercial break again. (laughs) So many commercials. This is my favorite commercial break of the entire movie. Okay. A bunch of kids are playing soccer. 
when a deranged oh, yeah. gunman burst out screaming that he has lost the will to live and therefore wants everyone around him to not live too. So then he proceeds to shoot them all to death. <laughs> so at this point, the police jump out, saving the handful of children left alive. And then they all play soccer with the killer's severed head. The Tokyo Police Corporation is now hiring. This is a close second for me in terms of <laughs> absurdity. When I, I'm like looking down because I, I started taking like I was taking a note, and then I look up and they're playing soccer with the head. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, I, I'm always a big proponent of kid death on screen. It's like one of those one taboos that like no one ever wants to show. Like they're sure. like, you can't kill a kid on screen. In video games, you can't kill kids. Period. Sure, right? You just can't do it. Which is a shame. I think one of the best kid death scenes, I might have said this before on the show, is the actually Toxic Avenger. Oh, they're yeah. like one of the first, they're like one of the first movies that were like, we will show legitimately show a child getting killed. The kid gets ran over by a car and then they back over his head and it's just a watermelon with a wig on it. <laughs> it's great, man. So, like, that's what I said. Like, kill more kids on screen. Like, there you we- go. We need more of that shit. One of the cops goes to a latex sex bar. A girl with the penis nose and and an eye in her mouth dances sexily. Then a girl with nipple mouths is revealed. Then a half-human, half-snail lady comes out. And um, trust me, this is much less sexy than I think it sounds as I'm saying it. But then again, engineers going to engineer, and mm. engineers are rarely sexy. Mm, mm, and this mm. all culminates with the final reveal of a human chair hybrid thing that has a fully fleshed out vagina. Yes. And that vagina then pisses all over the crowd to their delight. I'm pretty sure this is Donald Trump's favorite movie scene ever. It has to be. Uh, so this scene, special effects guru and one of the writers of the film, Maki Mitsui, is actually the actress who plays Snail Girl, though you might not notice her under the antenna and grotesque elongated snail eyes. Good for her. Good for her. Good for her. I still just like the fact that you completely avoid you've completely avoided talking about the piss chair. Yeah. So this was um interestingly, this moment. So Favorite I watched about no, certainly not. I, I watch about an hour of the movie and then I, I you know, I got to uh, go do other things. This is Friday. And then so I, I finished last night, Saturday night. Uh, and so it's like 11. I'm like, hmm, I can either finish this movie now or I can finish it in the morning before we record. I'm just going to do it now. Turn it on. This is this like I'm like 30 seconds before Snail Girl when I continue the movie. And I'm like, oh, right. This this is what this movie is. Great. <laughs> I'm so back it's, it was really funny when you text me that you're like, yeah, I started Friday and I'm going to finish it Sunday morning. And, I, and I'm in the ha- the hour mark of this movie. And that movie is an hour and 50 minutes. Roughly. Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, OK, first things first, if you watch this movie from start to finish. <laughs> It just gets more unhinged as the movie goes on and it gets yeah. weirder and weirder. And then yes. it just start stops making. I mean, it's not probably not making much sense now, but like <laughs> it doesn't get any better. And then I'm sort of thinking like, I can only imagine what this feels like when you split the movie up and where Dude. you end is literally right before shit really starts. Yeah. To get super fucking weird. Also back to my point earlier where I was like, I like to follow along in the Wikipedia. So we're an hour into the movie, like we just said. 
And we are this point of the movie. You, we just finished the first paragraph of the plot, according to Wikipedia. Like this movie is so unhinged and so hard to follow that an hour of this hour, 50 minute movie is just one paragraph of the Wikipedia plot synopsis. It's uh, I think the thing is, is it has to be said is that like this, this, the back hour moves at breakneck speed it does it does for sure so like it seems like we're already running a bit long that's it's trust me things are about to to move exponentially faster because all of the reveals come and speaking of all those reveals patrick what happened yes the cop goes to the back room with the sexy nipple mouths lady which actually let me let me also kind of paint this picture so nipple mouths lady it's it's as if Mm-hmm. This woman's breasts, the nipples were removed, and then her whole breast was like sewn shut. And it's like making like a mouth, like a sewn shut mouth. Fucking weird. Hot? I'm not going to say. Uh, I mean, it's Japan, dude. Cop goes to the back room with a sexy nipple mouth lady. She gives the cop a blowjob with her... <laughs> <laughs> with her mouth mouth not, not her, her nipple mouth yeah you gotta be yes specify Patrick. yeah we gotta specify uh then she bites off the cop's dick uh and i'm she like i I, I, I see this I, I saw this coming from a mile away i was like and if you police officer if you didn't see this coming that's on you uh the creepy daddy killing engineer walks out and says they'll begin his body reconstructioning surgery then he uses a power drill to fuck his leg yeah i repeat then he uses a power drill to fuck his leg i look it, here's the thing he does okay he, does. he it's like a back and forth motion like a like he is getting in there you know yeah and so then my natural you know i've i've been paying attention came my natural learning process is he had his dick removed so it's gonna grow back as a weapon <laughs> we can just wait uh the cop pulls out a gun and then shoots up nipple mouths which leaves her ripped in half the cop attempts to flee, but the nipple mouth lady has evolved into an alligator vagina lady. Her whole bottom half is like a trimmer's alligator machine or a monster, and her upper half is still her upper half. It's uh, so fucking gross yeah, and awesome. It's, yeah. Uh, she uses the alligator vagina to bite the cop's limbs off. However, he's able to blow her vagina up by using the arm with the gun in it to pull the tendon, which pulled the trigger so the gun would fire. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. So the head engineer. So, go, so, go yeah, so let, let me, okay, so I got to paint the scene here. Okay. So she rips off the arm that he's got with his gun, right? Like he's got, right. he's got an arm and he's holding on to a gun. So she bites his arm and tears it completely off. So right as she goes to like kill him and like really get him, he uses his one still remaining arm and he puts it in like wedges it into her vagina alligator mouth. Right. Right. And then he pulls, there's like a tendon, like a little string pull, like that you'd have on like a stuffed toy that would like make it talk like Woody from Mm -hmm. Toy Story. Mm -hmm. And then he pulls the tendon, which then flexes the finger that pulls the trigger and it shoots through the alligator vagina mouth, which is honestly clever as fuck. You know what, what? You know how in video games, like on PC, you, like a lot of people mod things to where like they'll just replace entire character models. What if we could mod movies and replace all the Toy Story characters with anyone in this movie? So this, yes. it looks like this movie is Toy Story. That'd be pretty fucking dope. That'd be pretty fucking cool. Uh, the head engineer walks out and plugs him with a tumor key. So his success is very, very short lived. Yeah. Well, I mean, his, his success also is that he just lost his penis. So <laughs> correct. Yeah. He failed from the get go. Yeah. Also, he went to a fucking latex bar that has a person that is a half human, half snail, and a chair that is just flesh that yeah. pisses on the crowd. Yeah. Um. So, 
There's that. The newly turned engineer cop rolls into the police station with a cock cannon. And we're back. Yep. Yep. Yes. He has a giant flesh cannon where his penis was. Doesn't matter because he's killing everyone in town today. And boy, is that a grotesque looking dick. Oh, dude, it is great. It is like four feet long. It even has like grotesque scar balls like attached to it. Yeah. Um, It's 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 just, I mean, he's shooting and he's killing. He kills and, all of these cops, man. And, you know, the tip of his penis was bitten off. So there's just a big hole at the top uh, yeah. where, you know, where he's also shooting things out of. But it's, you know, they kept true to the given circumstances that they yeah. provided. It's, it is. And either way, the, the, it shoots up the cops and the, the samurai police chief, he walks in, sees the carnage and then kills Cock Blaster 5000. Yes. He then makes a decree that every engineer will be exterminated on site without question. Which begs the question, maybe this should have been the decree earlier? Potentially. Yeah, I think this decree was a bit more extreme, as we'll find out. Like, you can yeah. just kill engineers, which is fine. But then again, I guess if you're just, like, killing engineers all willy-nilly, you would have killed Snail Girl and sure. Nipple Mouths Lady. Right. Yeah, that's true. So. Consequences for, for your actions consequences indeed mm, mm, ruka mm. shows up to a dingy hotel or some shit trying to find the killer and after stumbling across a door full of locks indeed she does find the killer so he invites her in for tea and a slideshow presentation of course <laughs> because let me set the scene for you real quick about what the slideshow entails it is essentially a mixture of hand-drawn like watercolors that like yep. would have been done by a child as well as like pasted over like pictures of real people that we've seen in the movie are like pasted over watercolors and certain things. It's also like half animated. Yes. <laughs> it's fucking fucking weird. So this is basically what he he does and explains, right? There was a licensed killer, a sniper for the police. He had a family and a son. He had to kill a deranged gunman, but couldn't pull the trigger because the gunman was holding a baby in his arms. Naturally. Either way, due to that, the police or the police officer resigns in disgrace, and his kid grows up to be a genetical or genetic engineer, something like that. Something to do yeah. with genetics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To pay for his son's college, he decides to take one last job. That job to kill Ruka's father. Once he kills Ruka's dad, he's immediately killed with his son looking on in horror. He then tells Ruka that he's the son. He worked on identifying the quote-unquote killer gene inside of criminals and serial killers uh, to see what made them tick. But after his dad died, he takes all of the killer genes they're able to extract out of these criminals, puts them in his body, and then immediately tries to kill himself by jumping off of a building. For him, he wakes up in the afterlife. He knocks on a door and the devil gives him a jar with a key tumor. And then he, the devil shoots him away. The son then wakes up the next morning and the doctors give him a key tumor that they took out of his head. So he decides to go back to the lab, reproduce the keys, and then infect others so that he can get his revenge on the guy who killed his dad. Ruka then realizes the master behind, behind the entire plot was actually the police chief, her surrogate father, the entire time. And that is what we call a plot twist. So I do have to share some hard truths here. Please tell me. 
I, I, I do like that the twist is that the police chief is behind it, but the whole, like this whole exposition dump compared to all the other batshit crazy stuff happening in this movie felt pretty weak to me. I was mm. like, this is why like the, the, everything that's happening it like the reason felt weirdly undercooked compared to the rest of the crazy shit happening in this movie. And I was just like a little bit let down that like, it, it felt like the why behind all of this might've been like a lot, more ominous or like a lot kind of crazier mm -hmm. and this it just felt like muddled and like kind of like i don't know do you, do you kind of get what i'm putting down here do you agree yeah, no, no no i i do i think it's i think a lot of the the if it is a little under it doesn't see it's just like oh so like you you've been doing all this work to try to figure out what the killer gene is so that they you can extract that from killers so that you can like potentially stop crime is kind of yeah. what the setup is so then what he ends up doing is like the guy's like, I'm going to use this research that's going to stop crime to now perpetrate even more crime so I can get my revenge on this corrupt police chief, right. which like I, I kind of dig it, honestly. And okay. it's it's one of those things where I feel like it's almost reminiscent of like, I think, like 90s anime like mm, 90s okay. like yeah, uh, because like that's how a lot of like the old 90s anime was like especially the stuff that was like they're like more horror more like uh extreme anime was a lot of like the 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 reason why is very simple and like might not seem very elaborate or complex or the stakes might not seem super high in it but like this it's or like the stakes around the actual conspiracy aren't you know yeah very yeah, thought-provoking yeah. um but then it was just like it's it's everything that's cooked around the idea of like why we're doing this that is sure. what you're here for. And so like look, the truth is when you watch Tokyo Gore Police, you're not watching it for a story. Oh, for uh, sure. And so when you're you know, and that's one of those things. So like, but when going through, I kind of don't know. I kind of dig the idea okay. of like this whole thing is just like it's like it just it keeps twi like twisting in on itself, and it's yeah, violence begets violence, you know. Yeah, I think maybe for me the maybe more so what the nugget is or like the nut of my issue is that th the way that this bit is revealed to the audience is like really confusing, like way more confusing yeah. than it probably needs to be. But that anyway, head engineer tells Ruka that he's going to create an army of engineers to rule Japan, and tells Ruka to join him. So she does. And by does, I mean she slices his head down the fucking middle uh, and his, uh, like, <laughs> killing his, you know, creepy tech ass uh, in the process, which is great. Um, City goes on lockdown with the police killing and kidnapping anyone that they think might be an engineer. As you can imagine, about 40 gallons of blood is spilt during this segment, if not triple that. Uh, a schoolgirl with a giant box cutter for an arm fights a police chick with a pole sword which which is a fit. The box cutter girl kills the police lady by shooting acidic breast milk all over her. This is like peak fucking insanity. This here. is peak this movie. Is this we look, we went through we went through vaginas pissing. We went through alligator vaginas. Yes. Um, and then we get this, and she like she rips her top open. She's like fighting this police chick, and they're like, come down, like she knocks the sword away and she like walks up to her. She rips her top open to to show these like volcano nipples yeah and then just proceeds to to squirt breast milk all over the police chick which is also acid so acid. it melts her just to bones <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't do it. this movie is just like a greatest hits of like 
I think what, that's why like I have such like a, a stark appreciation for this movie or like why it was so perfect to put on at movies is because like every 10 minutes is like a greatest hits of like what you would think would be like one of the highlight moments from another movie of like of like yeah. what the fuck is this? It's just like every 10 minutes you get one of those scenes. So like it doesn't matter when you enter to watch the movie, you're going to end up seeing a highlight. Mm-hmm. Like a montage of just just batshit crazy ideas to your point again shit that was just thrown against the wall that was like can we accomplish this and the person was like yes we yeah can. actually we can we actually can let's do it and so we do at the same time the barkeep kills a cop who is trying to detain her with a wine bottle she um shoves the a broken wine bottle on his face and starts twisting it around then pulls it back revealing that the guy's face is entirely missing then she puts her lips to the wine bottle and she blows and it shoots the dude's face on the ground of course. Of course. <laughs> Once again, highlight real moment. Fucking yeah. amazing. Either way, she's eventually detained, then immediately delimbed by them pulling her into quarters via some F Ford F-150. Uh, commercial break, the new Ford F-150 is perfect for quartering anyone that you want. <laughs> Bill no, Ford Tough. Commercial break, Bill Ford Tough, brother. <laughs> Bill Ford Tough is uh that did like this uh real commercial break but honestly i would definitely see that in that moment when they're able to shred her to bits yeah by that you would get uh you would get another commercial break about trucks yeah i was surprised we didn't get it honestly ruka then shows up in the town to find the littered remains of the population as well as the death of her beloved friends via the police as the police gather around dancing in delight ruka goes full engineer mode and chops off all of their heads. A cab. A cab. As the big body of a human lit. There's okay. Sorry, let me re re go over this. Okay. There is a huge mound yes. of human limbs. Yes. And there are two cops and they're poking yes. and prodding around it. Um just gonna go ahead and be on the forefront here and just say that one of the cops is an Asian man in blackface. Yeah, not cool. Um one, we don't condone it. If you want to look up the history of that sort of stuff in Asian cinema or especially Japanese cinema, please feel free to go do so. Um, but just want to be clear, we do not condone blackface on the show. And so that is the last we will speak about that. Yeah. The weirdest thing about it, it's a blink and you miss it moment. It's like, why? why like, it was so unnecessary. But anyway, Ruka shows up and she's now sporting a lobster claw for a hand. The cop shoots her in the face and she grows a cyborg eye. Pretty she cool. then rips the face off. Uh, she rips the face of one off, then tip of the head of the other. Once again, this is not okay. And I'm sorry. <laughs> From the words of Caitlin, you should be. Uh, yeah. Ruka shows up to the police HQ and the police chief while over the intercom explains that he killed Ruka's father because he was in the way of the police chief's rise to power. More plot twists just coming. Yeah, yes. Basically, I guess kind of explain this a little bit in context is the Ruka's father was running for police chief. His best friend is the current police chief, the one who kills him. The reason being is because uh, Ruka's father was standing against the privatization of the police force in Japan. And so the other guy who kills him wanted to lead this private police force. So in the process has the engineer's father kill him. That's kind of the big reasoning why yeah, all yeah. this has started. Sure. Yeah. Uh, on her way, she's confronted by the autopsy doctor. He's apparently made a gun that shoots human limbs. Of course. 
of course which is fucking awesome by the way it is fucking awesome yeah uh they had to uh achieve this with cgi which wasn't great it's like one of the few cgi moments of the film but still cool just these like massive fists the 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 actual gun though that he has is real like it is a oh yeah practical effect in the there's just limbs shoved in the in it's like a 20 round gun this is massive fucking hulking gun that he's got like attached to him and there's fake limbs shoved in it yeah uh ruka ends up pinning to the wall and before she's fingered to death her lobster claw arm shoots it's uh it's younger out what is that supposed to be it's tongue sorry you don't want to know how i read this (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this this creates a rope that direct that redirects the arms when they fly back finger banging the doctor to death ruka runs off to finally find the chief he monologues to her about fatherhood and how engineers suck which is fair after his big speech his quadriplegic gimp will refer to as gimpy <laughs> of course we will which now has katanas for legs and arms it's like a four it's like a yeah uh, it's on all uh, fours with yeah. katana legs yeah yeah it's insane yeah so and once again the reason that we're uh we're calling it gimpy is because he's wearing a gimp outfit yes Okay, this is not an offensive joke. This is just, it's wearing a gimp outfit. What do you call yeah. a person in a gimp outfit? Did I ever tell you the story, Patrick? One time I, I played, so I used to play in a, a metal band back in college. I don't think I knew this. You didn't know that I played? I, I don't either. think so. Yeah, so I played in a metal band back in college, and we had this show at the Old Masquerade, which for those who aren't familiar, Masquerade was is a music venue in downtown Atlanta. Um, they had this like really awesome old venue in this old uh, paper mill. Now it's inside of underground Atlanta and it sucks. Sorry for people who it's just not that great of a venue now. But either way, back in the day, it was great. So we played this concert and one of the bands that opened for us is we were the headliner of the show. One of the bands that opened for us was called Throat Punch. Oh, wow. And so, they, you know, you just imagine Throat Punch. It's like you think when you punch someone in the throat, what we find out is actually um, because the lead singer comes on stage. And he's like, yeah, motherfuckers, we're a throat punch. And for anyone who thinks that throat punch means punching someone in the throat, it does. But it means you're throat punching someone in the throat with your dick. Oh, wow. And realize, oh, wow. Okay, so throat punch is actually a metaphor for like using your penis in a, as when you're getting a blowjob to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throat wow. punch, right? Okay. Here's the thing. The dude who's playing the synth for this band. Yeah full gimp outfit oh interesting okay full leather i was i was thinking masking everything i was like what's the connection here i can't wait to see how this uh is relevant but i see now yeah i wonder what that guy's up to he's wearing a hockey jersey when he started by the time he was done he was wearing like just pants takes his jersey off He was drinking bush light here's the thing masquerade didn't sell bush light i guess he just snuck the bush light in and was just chugging them on stage yeah yeah i wonder what that i can just imagine that guy's dead for those, oh, he's got to be. For those counting yeah. at home, that's three episodes in a row with a hockey reference, just to be clear. Shit, yeah, that's true. But yeah, throat punch and the gimp guy who played synth. Man. Weird, weird shit. Um, so what an interesting, just, um, yeah. So experience. either way, Gimpy goes at Ruka in the both tussle. Ruka gets the upper hand when she breaks two of its katana legs off. She eventually breaks the other two and then does the old WWF big swing throw and tosses Gimpy across the room, knocking it out. The police chief knows his days are numbered, so he injects himself with some green shit. Green shit! And runs at Ruka. She quickly disables him, literally, by removing his legs. (laughs) Don't worry. He soon injects some more green shit directly into his nubs. 
mm-hmm. which turns his nubbies into rockets of blood. Sure does. He uses these new nub blood rockets. That's according to that phrase, nub blood rockets, mm. to fly around the room. Okay. I think I blacked out at this moment. This is so fucking awesome. So his legs are cut off. He injects his legs with these this green syringe, right? Then his legs proceed to blast enough blood out for it to raise him off of the floor. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom again. Yeah. And then he starts flying, doing laps. He's like got his katana in hand, using his legs, shooting blood as propellers to literally start circling the room. It it's is as, fucking amazing. It's like in Zelda Tears of the Kingdom when you don't put it on correctly, the rocket, and it's like, oh. so it's not uh, level, so you just like keep going in circles. It really was a, a very reminiscent. So fucking cool, man. Yeah. So cool. So Ruka uses her lobster claw arm tongue thing to to grab him. Mm-hmm. And then th- then she uses the leverage of now like having him attached to a rope to throw him at the wall. In this process, she steals his katana. And then she eventually chops all of his limbs off, turning him into a human sprinkler spinning in the air. It literally she chops his, his head in his arms but because of that green shit you know he literally goes up like almost like a fidget spinner into the yes. air yes just spinning in circles just spraying blood everywhere all over the place i, I got on me too 4d experience 4, 4d baby 4d i love it commercial I break might, <laughs> i was gonna say i think that actually might have just been me accidentally cutting yeah. myself from the uh, how crazy this movie fucking was you just just nosebleed actually yeah just my nose just started bleeding sid had a nosebleed during the middle of the movie now i'm starting to think maybe 40 40 40 commercial break the japanese army has now been privatized <laughs> of course of course why not i mean it, the way that we're going yeah it's um, like oh so that's the solution okay yeah, so so the the privatized police is like murdered all of Japan and then or all of Tokyo, and then the Japanese army announces in its own commercial that they have now been privatized as well. So mm-hmm. uh, Ruka has now finished her quest for revenge, and she walks out to find a decimated Tokyo. She is followed by a repurposed Gimpy, who has now replaced the katana legs with ak-47 legs fuck yeah i think i would have preferred the katana legs but you know speak your truth i mean so like when she walks out i'm like yeah okay this is definitely a planet terror reference like this oh, yeah. is another planet terror like uh rose For mcgowan's sure. you know ak-47 leg yeah it's at this point the screen is emblazed with the words tokyo gore police Roll credit. Hold on. Wait a second. No, we're not rolling credits just yet. Patrick, why? We have a teaser scene. The creepy engineer's head is stolen from the autopsy room. We the we then see him outside with new fresh scars sliced down his entire face from where Ruka has sliced him open. The schoolgirl with the box cutter arm walks away with him down the street emblazoned on the screen again more gore coming soon roll credits 
Which, unfortunately, as of this recording, no official sequel to Tor- Tokyo Gore Police has happened. So they said more gore coming wasn't. Also, I do want to mention yeah. the creepy engineer that we keep referring to. His actual character name is The Key Man, which is a pretty fucking cool name. That is a pretty fucking cool man. Yeah. That's a pretty fucking cool man. So, yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, that is. Um, yeah, so that, and that's the thing. Uh, to, to your last bit of trivia there, Patrick. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, no, no sequels to Tokyo Gore Police. I, it's interesting. I don't, you know, we we've seen it with like uh, with French extremism, where it was kind of like in the early or like early mid to late two thousands, we had uh, we had like a big boon, and then you had high tension inside martyrs, um, she tan. So you had like a bunch of that, and then like the genre just kind of died off for probably another decade. And then, you know, over the last like maybe couple of years, like French extremism with with films like Revenge, um, Raw, uh, uh, Titan, those movies like French extremism is coming back. So the thing is why I bring this up is similar to J-Shock Horror. It was really, really big in like the late 2000s into the you know early 20 teens. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it just kind of died. Like there's really hasn't been like the J Shock War. Just so when my hope is, is that maybe because we did get a sequel to Meatball Machine with yep. Meatball Machine Kodoku that just came out. My hope is is that we do end up getting like a resurgence of J Shock War and potentially a Tokyo Gore Police sequel. I want to see Ruka take on the entire Japanese army. Oh, sure. Also, you can't forget the um, the prequel to Meatball Machine, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Mm. <laughs> can't can't mm. forget that. Mm. 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 Patrick, there's a there's a, a, another sports reference for you. There's actually two films um, mm. that are some personal favorites of mine. One called Battlefield Baseball. Mm. One okay. called Dead Ball. Okay, Ooh. the whole thing is it's about baseball match where you can die in baseball <laughs> and it's basically about this like this like baseball team is like reincarnated and like they're like we haven't seen them for the last 10 years and now they're back and like they essentially just like kill all the other baseball teams on their way to the state championship and so like 10 years later we like fast forward and then it ends up with this like fucking hilarious fight at the end that's like a baseball match where they're throwing like tornado pitches where the ball's on fire great we're exploding everywhere love it uh, it's jay shock horror needs to like we just have to keep it forever like it's Bring something it very special about it but either way that brings us to the end of the show patrick um it's a very very special episode for us this yeah. episode was to try to get you to learn about Japanese culture, to learn a little bit about Tokyo because of your upcoming trip. And we wanted to make sure that you were prepared. So now I'm going to ask you, save it or can it, because we do want to know that. Yeah, do yeah, you yeah. feel like you have learned some stuff? Do you feel like you're more prepared seeing this film going into, into Japan? So the crazy thing is actually I've canceled the trip because I feel like I now understand Japan in such a way that I don't even need to go. Good. Yeah. I mean, that's probably fair. So I'll be here next week on Save Trash Cinema. <laughs> no, I won't. Uh, so yeah, this this is a really interesting one for me. I think this is the by far the most unique movie we've covered on this show. And so like when I think about like my ranking that I, I keep, this movie in a weird way actually ranks pretty low for me. But like, I still think it's like an easy save. Like, it's it's the kind of movie where it is so 
uniquely itself and so unlike anything I've ever seen or probably will ever see again. And like, I don't need to watch this movie again per se. Mm. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why it kind of ranks low for me, but man, it was such an interesting thing to watch. And I think it's one of those things where like, as long as you know what you're getting into, like this is, if you watch the, all the movies that we cover on this, on this podcast, like this will be like nothing you've seen with this podcast. Like, by a mile and and so that it's just i think that's like kind of the most important thing in my mind is just knowing what you're getting into before getting into it um but i do think this is a save i think this is um it's such a interesting little niche within the niche of the genre that um it's it's definitely worth um worth visiting i think yeah and i think you know and the thing is it's it's so weird it's one of those where like i don't know some people might argue against it and be like i don't really know if i necessarily consider this to be like trash cinema proper and i, I disagree with that statement i think this is like the like one of the when we think a lot about like grindhouse films and we think about like how weird so if we go back to even just last week with shopping malls like that's a movie that can't be made today and like sure. American, like you can't, you can't release a movie like that in, in us theaters. Like you might be able to get away with it on like screen box or shutter, but like, this is not going to be a theatrical release. Just like chopping mall cannot be right. You're not going to see shit like that anymore. But like Tokyo Gore police in the same vein of that is like, this is like the Japanese version of grindhouse movies. And sure. There are some, some older films, um, you know, like Ricky O, the story of Ricky, or even you can look at back at some of the older samurai films, um, like the lone wolf and cub series where it's like, that might be, but the thing is like, this is one of those movies that like, it embodies a lot of what we get from trash cinema. It is a, sure. to your point, Patrick, a unique viewing experience, unlike something you've ever seen before. Yeah. And I think a lot of what we'd want to do here and want to try to accomplish here is by getting some of these movies out in the open. Like if we haven't been able to sell you on the fucking alligator vagina, if we haven't sold you on using a bazooka to launch yourself 50 stories in the air, acidic breast milk, yeah, a man whose legs have been chopped off that turns him into a rocket. Like yeah. if we haven't sold you on that, then like, I'm honestly not sure what you're doing on like listening to the show. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This is a, obviously a save for me. And a lot of the movies I bring to the table are saves. I think there's yeah, been like, all, sure. on like a rare occasion I might have like, like, hey, you know, temper expectations before going in. This is one of those movies where I'm like, you, it, it's perfect to put on in a party. If you have a bunch of people, put this movie on Tubi right now. Okay. Yeah. Just put it on the screen. I, I can promise you your party goers are, are going to have, like, it is a conversation starter. And it's, it is the goriest film, one we've ever covered on stc but two it's also one it is known as like one of the goriest films ever made yeah um and, I, and, I would be like shocked if i could ever see something that has more gore than this movie yeah oh yeah it's crazy the amount of bloodletting in this film but the thing is it's also comic and yeah. like it is it almost is a comedy film like it really uh, yeah is. i would say it's more comedy than any other genre for sure and so it's one of those things where like even your most timid viewer could come into this movie and like people who are like, I cannot deal with with gore and be like, they can still watch this movie and be totally fine because it's not what you think it is. And it's yeah. really fucking fun. I love this movie. I think I mean, obviously, this is one of my favorite J-Shock films of all time. I, I put that up there at the top of the list with, you know, Meatball Machine and um, Tetsuo the Iron Man and fucking mutant girl squad like those are you know these are 
some of my favorites. And so I, I love this shit and I definitely recommend like it's on Tubi. put it on. It's a little bit long. I think that might be the only issue, but because the yeah. pacing is like, it's a highlight reel moment every 10 minutes. It doesn't feel as bad. Like you don't feel like you're there's long slogs between sure moments. It's very quick on like, you're going to get to the next big, big, just crazy ass. What the fuck just happened moment. So I think that makes the runtime a little bit more digestible. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, resounding save across yeah, the board from Patrick I think so. and myself. Patrick, uh, thank you for coming along on this ride with us. Thank you for entertaining and indulging me. Hopefully we taught you a little bit about Japan. Now you have some stories you can talk to some of the people that you meet there about. Mm -hmm. Tell them how much you love this movie. Um, I'll have to learn you. how to ask. Uh, can you point me to the Gore Police, please? Please. Um, good luck to you on your trip out there. Thank Safe you. travels, friend. And can't wait to have you back in a couple weeks for what i've got in store for you oh next. god but if you you the audience if you've enjoyed the show please rate review and share the hell out of it with your friends loved ones and worst of enemies honestly word of mouth is key here and we are beggars also fuckies if you're interested in video games check out our sister podcast the spotlight games podcast and all of your favorite streaming services we stream live every tuesday on twitch at 8 p.m eastern so join us live there patrick why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find you and a little bit about our sabbatical we're taking with Spotlight while you're in Japan. Yes, they can find me on Twitter at Patrick Schwag. And then, yeah, so Spot Games Pod is where you can find us on Twitter and then Spotlight Games Pod on everything else, including Twitch and YouTube. But, yeah, we're just going to take a, a few weeks off. Um, we'll be back either the week of the 12th or the following week. And it's kind of it's mostly going to depend on how I feel with a 14-hour time difference that I will be used to at that point. Um but yeah, we're just we're taking a break. Uh, so just go play some video games. Uh, mostly everyone's just playing Zelda. So it's probably all we would be talking about for a month anyway. Um, but we're coming back right at a hot time because we're going to have all sorts of showcases happening and all a, a, a lot about the future of video games um, from all the big publishers and things. So it'll be a nice, uh, exciting thing to come back to. But uh, but hey, we got 80 plus episodes already out so if you haven't listened yet you got a lot to catch up on anyway so uh we'd love to have you over there if you like video games true 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 and you can follow me at the dumpster boy on twitter and you can follow stc at save trash cinema on all socials remember fight big box office save trash cinema sayonara